What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Regals Watches Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by a return guest. I was actually just looking uh, just before we hit record here, and it's been a little bit over two years, almost exactly two years, but a little bit over. Uh, good friend of mine, Jerome, from uh, Serica Watches. How's it going? Hey, man. Good to be back. Good to see yeah, you again. A lot, a lot happened on both ends, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you've been super busy and having some really, really cool releases. And Serica as a brand has just been growing and growing and growing. And on, on my end, the podcast has been growing. I was looking and it was like your episode number 39. So it was like almost 100 episodes ago was when we uh, we last recorded. So definitely over, lots has changed. Over, over 100 episodes ago on your end and over probably something like three or five watches ago on our end. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, you've been really, really busy. I think uh, last time you were on the show, you we had either were just discussing it or the release hadn't just happened yet, but it was coming for the 5303. So we sort of were alluding to some of the things that were going to be happening with your with your diver release, yeah. which has obviously been extremely successful. Um, and I'm and I'm very excited to chat about. And uh, you know, now you have your boutique and all sorts of other really cool things going on as well, too, that we can get into. So, you know, exactly. before before we talk about some of the things that have happened with Serico over the last couple of years, you know, what's on the wrist today? Ah, what's on the wrist today? So since we last chat, as we mentioned, a few a few watches came to life on our end. Uh, of course, a dive watch uh, mm -hmm. came to life and the GMT watch came to life. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm wearing today. I'm actually wearing it uh, on, on a combo that is not yet available, but that we will introduce later this year. Uh, I've been working on some, you know, many people have been asking for a, for a bracelet for the GMT uh, because everybody loves a good bracelet and everybody loves a good strap or bracelet integration. And I think that's what, what appeals to us mostly. Uh, so that's precisely what I've been working on. And I'm wearing it today on uh, very specific Serica end pieces with a very also unique rubber strap that will come at the end of the year. Very nice. That's very, very cool. So that's, so that's a rubber strap. It's a rubber strap. It uh, looks, looks and feels like leather, but you can uh -huh. sweat with it. You can dive with it. You can uh, you can do everything you want with it. And if you take a little care about it, meaning not uh, dropping it in a in a very, very dry, dry place for 50 years, then it basically is trapped that will last a lifetime. That's outstanding. That's such a cool concept. I, I never had, would have thought that that was even a thing that you could make like a rubber strap that would look it's, that close uh, to leather. Man, it was, it was quite a piece of work. It's, uh, it took us, again, nearly two years to have it work proper because, uh, I mean, you're well familiar, I guess, with the vintage uh, Tropic Star straps, right? Mm -hmm. And these were recreating a, a leather pigskin pattern, and it looked very, very good. But the, the production method that was used uh, nearly 70 years ago, over 70 years ago, um, was very different to what, uh, what we do today. Um, maybe I don't, I, don't, I don't think I have to get too much into details because... Uh, it's a bit technical, but uh, basically what was done before was injection. It's rubber, mm -hmm. right? It's natural vulcanized rubber, basically like tires. Mm -hmm. And if you do it by injection, then those molds will cook at much higher temperature than any other technique, which will comfort to the rubber, uh, its resistance, its density, and without losing any of its softness and flexibility. And in order to achieve that result, uh, injection is the only way. 
So that's what we did, but it's uh, there is a downside to it, and there is a reason why no one is doing it nowadays. It's uh, it's because it's very expensive. <laughs> Interesting. So if you think with your head, you go like, no, I can't invest that much money in just a strap. And if you think long term, as we always do, we it's like, okay. If that's what it takes to have exactly what we want, then we will invest. And I'm very happy with the quality of those straps right now. There is like, I can't, I, I can't wear anything else for the past, the past couple of weeks. It just arrived, the final prototypes uh, after nine, nine prototypes, uh, guys were going crazy. And I was like, no, we're not there. We're not there. We're not there. We're not there. And I'm happy to say today that we are there. <laughs> That's very, very cool. And those end links look very interesting too. Almost a bit of an art deco influence on them. Uh, exactly. So the idea, you know, if you, if you had an end piece, uh, that is just brushed or polished or whatever, it can look like a very, like basically anything. So mm. it's not Serica, you know, I take a lot of time and, and work into designing and crafting something that does not look like anything else. Uh, and so I wanted this handling to be very specific as well. So I needed to find a finish that would basically embody that, uh, that ambition. Uh, but I did not want it to be too loud neither. So if I, I did not want, obviously, to just come up randomly with any pattern to put on the end link, uh, it's different, no. So what we did is actually we replicated the, the pattern on the side of the bezel and we applied it to the end link, vertical, vertical lines, a kind of guilloche, if you wish. Uh, it's a very standard thing, actually, that uh, back in the days would be found in, uh, in many industries. Uh, if you take uh, a Dupont lighter, if you take uh, old silver flasks, uh, you could find those guilloche patterns, which are indeed, as you mentioned correctly, uh, reminiscent of the Art Deco style. Um, and it does pair very, very well with our wish to design and build tool watches that are equally elegant, right? So always, always making sure that the actual instrument, the, the, the professional instrument, looks amazing when not used as such, you know what I mean? And bringing such a sophisticated end link and strap integration uh, does help. <laughs> it does work really well, in my opinion. It's oh, very so, cool. It's not something that I will impose on any single watch, but something that people who like it can, uh, can purchase and put on their watches, especially former owners of uh, 5303, for example, which did not have the chance to have those end links yet. Uh, it will be made available to all. Well, it's, it sounds like an interesting, uh, like you said, it's it's something that's very Serica, right? Like really that that innovation and that that uh, spin on design and and creating not just something utilitarian but something artistic with watches as well too. And I think I, I want to blend both always. It's I very mean, very cool. Functionality is uh, is it comes first and foremost, uh, of course, obviously. But uh, I want to make I don't know. I want, I want to, I want more than that, you know, I mm. want more than just function. I want function and emotion. I mm. want function and sophistication. I want function and class and romance. I don't know. Maybe I'm becoming a bit too French right now, but that's what we aim for. Hey, that's one of the things that makes it a unique brand. It is uniquely French, right? So yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. What, uh, you know, I, obviously like, 
this is old news now, but obviously we have two years of catch up to do as well. It's yeah, been a while yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been on the show. So let's talk a little bit about the release of the 5303 and then cool. also the, the 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 GMT that was kind of uh sprouted out from that as well, too, as well as some of the other releases that have happened over the last little bit. I mean, you have the 5303 came out in a couple of different variations. Yeah. Um, there's been some different iterations and some changes and updates to that as well, too. Yeah. So sure. what's what what kind of I guess uh, uh, okay was... let's take you let's take it chronologically if you want sure so as uh, as you might remember as I mentioned previously um, with Serica we're building a vision we're building on the dream mm. and we're very very aware of the fact that this will not be made in one shot you know it's not something that happens overnight it's something that takes uh many many steps to reach where we want to go and as we ambition to go for the highest standards of what mechanical watchmaking can offer nowadays modern mechanical watchmaking uh, in terms of performance in terms of certifications in terms of materials that we use uh of course it's uh it's taking a little while and each time we release a new model, each time we launch a new production, we ask ourselves the question, how can I improve it? Is there anything else that I can perfect in this watch? And what's going to be my next step? So as you might remember, the very first watch we released in 2019 uh, was basically the very first field watch from Serica. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got started. It was a hand wine mechanical watch uh, with a mineral crystal uh, with a water resistant of 10 bars um, and a leather strap <laughs> and a NATO strap. So very basic, very feel, very utilitarian. And it was a watch with already a lot of personality, uh, very good finishing on the case. Um, but obviously, I mean, it sold very quickly but I did not want just to push on the button and produce the same thing because that's not evolution. That's not building on something. It's just repeating something that's working. So the next year in 2020, we introduced reference 4512, which is still, uh, which is still in production today. So it's been quite a few years. And this one showed uh, many improvements. Uh, updated water resistant down to 20 bars, uh, the introduction of a double dome sapphire crystal, uh, dials were not, uh, dials were not uh, lacquered anymore, but enameled, meaning going into the oven at 900 degrees, which is pretty serious cooking <laughs> when it comes to having deep black uh, finishing. Uh, we introduced the Bonkley bracelet that finally was ready. And that was a big step up already from the original first watch and very much leading the way to, to what we aim for, you know. Uh, then came the 5303 that we were discussing earlier, dive watch, brand new reference, uh, more complex, of course, with a rotating bezel, with a ceramic insert, automatic this time. Uh, and this one has been a very, very big success uh, because all the watches that we made were sold out very quickly. Um, then we introduced the GMT. The GMT, again, uh, was building on the aesthetic of uh, Circa watches, of course, but introducing for the very first time uh, a complication, the GMT complication, so second hour hand in 24 hours, um, and a very, very complex to manufacture ceramic bezel insert which is a single block of two-tone ceramic. 
I mean, uh, even nowadays, I mean, 10 years ago when Rolex introduced that, everybody goes, wow. And Rolex said, yeah, it's very difficult to make. And that's why a GMT right now is 10 grand. And that's what we're doing nowadays. The very same two-tone single block of ceramic. And maybe even more difficult to achieve because we play with extremely contrasted colors, which are ivory and black. As you can imagine, there is nothing as opposed as black and white. So when you change the shade or the color of ceramic, you modify the chemical structure, right? And that means that the cooking time and the cooking temperature will be different, right? But you still want to cook both in the same mold in order to have one single piece and not two pieces that will come and stick together. Uh, the way I explain it uh, very roughly is uh, ask any chef uh, if they can cook uh, potatoes and green onions in the same oven at the same temperature for this very same time and have them both cooked perfectly. Hmm. It's tough. <laughs> Interesting. That's very cool. So how so, do you, can you explain or do you know how they actually address that problem then? Uh, the problem was actually making the uh, making the line, the, you know, like the split of the day-night indicator is uh, is asymmetrical, mm -hmm. and having uh, having it like as clean as possible that was the main the main problem, and they, they succeeded, but they had to experiment for over a year and a half with, uh, as I said, the, the time, the temperature, and play with those two factors in order to reach the 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 optimal the optimal the optimal what the optimal solution <laughs> interesting very very interesting that's yeah. super cool and so it's and, go ahead sorry no 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 and the gmt so also introduced for the very first time for us the chronometer certification right yes uh, and that's important because chronometer certification is uh so obviously it's not something that there's some people think that you can just go and you buy cost certified movements and you house them in a, <laughs> in a, in a watch and that's it. It's a little more complicated than that. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the Cosk Institute, which is in Switzerland, obviously, and which is the only institute of that kind uh, allowed to certificate a watch as a chronometer, a Swiss watch as a chronometer anyway, um, doesn't have to say yes. Uh, there are many things you need to come clean about anything or your process or your providers uh, show that it's uh, it's Swisser than Swiss. You need to own your brand uh, in Switzerland. You have to, there are many, many things. Uh, and even, even past those, they do not have to say yes, especially mm. when you're a French brand and you want to compete with their, how could I say, you want to play on their field basically because mm. that's uh that's the ultimate Swiss watch uh, accuracy certification and acknowledgement, kind of. So they do not have to say yes, but they did say yes. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, and to us, it's not only a marketing thing to say, yeah, we'll, I mean, obviously, I do enjoy writing chronometre with an accent grave in the very French way on my dials because I'm proud of it. Uh, but most importantly, having a watches chronometer certified is, uh, is a way to make sure that another stage of very, very demanding quality control is applied to the movements before it reaches the stage of assembly. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't know any <laughs> I don't know any guy who is more 
I don't know any institute who's more picky than, than those guys when it comes to certificating a caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, it was an important step for us and uh, something we were very happy about. Um, but then we realized that, okay, then where are we? You know, a couple of years, a couple of years later, you just like, uh, you just turn your head back and realize, okay, what do we have? So at the time we had uh, a mechanical watch, the 4512. Uh, we had an automatic watch, a dive watch, the 5303, and a complicated certified chronometer GMT watch, the reference 8315. So, okay, it's great. It's uh, the lineup. It's kind of relevant in terms of the, um, the offering, the design language and everything. Of course, it's, uh, it looks good. Uh, but we still have three types of, um, how can I say, not three types of quality, but three types of, uh, how could I say that? Three different kinds of uh, mechanical watch standard, the mm. mechanical, the automatic, and the chronometer certified. And so I was like, okay, then before thinking of any other dial color variation size, which you you know by now I'm not really interested in. I, I like to take time to, to offer my design, my, vis- my vision of design and what a Serica watch looks like. And I know it takes time, especially when you come up with design that are not just a knockoff of a Submariner or a Seamaster of anything else. Uh, so the next stage and what was released a few months ago and we will start shipping later, later in September, uh, we, I set myself to, to rethink the 5303. So obviously love everything about this watch, uh, the design, the proportion, the thickness. Uh, but I wanted to bring it to the GMT standard, which was automatic and chronometer certified. I was like, but what else can I do? <laughs> so obviously just having the Newton certified uh, as a chronometer was no biggie, but it wasn't good enough. What else could I, could I improve? So I was, okay, as you, as you very well, uh, as you might be aware of, uh, some people were unhappy with the Newton caliber. I mean, I still love that caliber and I will stick mm. to it forever because it offers an accuracy that is second to none. It offers a shock resistance that is second to none. Um, but it's also a movement that's fairly new. And uh, the crown action, uh, the stem, it's a, it's a little light and some people were not used to it, you know. And, and I can hear that big time. I mean, you know, if, uh, I mean, I know it's not a problem and I know it's not a defect, but if people feels flimsy or unhappy or doesn't, if it doesn't ooze quality to people out there, then it becomes my problem big mm-hmm. time. And if everything that's amazing about this caliber is hidden because a watch that is shock resistant and in some extent, people don't, People don't uh, do crazy things with their watches anymore. Most of the time, you know, they they go to the office, they hop on the subway, and uh, and that's it. So the watches, most of the time, are not put into so much uh, extreme test, uh, even if it is sometimes. And uh, I'll get back to it later. So I was like, okay, what can we do about that? Uh, in the same time, uh, with the GMT, we've been experimenting with a new caliber, which is the C125. C125 is basically the M100 with a GMT module on top of it. The M100 is the evolution of the A10 and A102 by Soprod and is a caliber that's been around for over 25 years. 
So this one is not new. <laughs> and this one has a, a very firm crown action, stop second, something that people see and people expect, obviously, and very rightly so, of, uh, of a tool watch that price. The other thing that's very interesting with the M100, and that was also what, what drove me to, to transition from the Newton to the M100, is that it's a caliber that's much uh, thinner than the Newton. If you take the ETA, Newton, Celita, all those calibers, uh, usually for an 11 and a half lines movement, that's the size, it's uh, usually 4.6 millimeter thick. The M100 is 3.6. And one full millimeter in watchmaking, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a small thing. It's an entire neighborhood. So that pretty much gave me the opportunity to work on something else that I've been meaning to experiment with for a long time, which is magnetic resistance. You know, um, when it comes to mechanical watches, uh, magnetic fields are ever more present nowadays. I mean, back in, back in the 1940s, it was mostly... Uh, doctors, engineers, and some dudes flying planes uh, with watches being in touch with heavy instrumentation, and that's it. But now uh, laptops, cell phones, uh, hi-fis, uh, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all around us. And it's, uh, it's a bit of a pain because it's, uh, you can't see it, you can't smell it. <laughs> it's uh, once your watch, uh, when the spiral of a watch is magnetized, it's almost impossible to understand and know where and when it's been mm -hmm. in touch with magnetic fields. So I was like, wait, maybe I can do something about that. And that's exactly what we did. Um, so on the outside, nothing changes. It's the very same good-looking thin watch in 39 millimeters. Inside, however, everything changes. And it's, it, was, it was not easy. It was a big piece of work. Uh, basically, we created, uh, you know, this soft iron cage that's mm. been, that's been used. Yeah, the Faraday. Exactly. Yeah. Faraday cage in soft iron that will basically absorb uh, magnetism before it gets in contact with the movement and prevents a spiral from being contaminated. That's the basic concept of it. So the Faraday cage is, is made out of three parts and three pieces. Uh, everybody knows about the little cover, you know, the like, dust-like cover that's, that this puts on top of the movement, but that's not it. If you just add the magnetic cover, then mag magnetism can contaminate the movement through the dial or through the sides. So you need the inner ring, uh, the inner case ring to also be made of uh, the soft iron and the dial itself before mm. being enabled. This way you truly have a cage, otherwise it doesn't work. And that's what we, we call it soft iron or mu iron. It's, uh, it's basically almost pure iron with a bit of nickel in it, uh, which is very hard to manufacture as well because uh, it's harder than stainless steel before being tempered. It's harder than, uh, than, any, than many other alloys. But we did. And we found a way to incorporate it in the cage, uh, in, the, in the case, sorry, uh, without making the watch any thicker, not by a hundredth of millimeter, it's the exact same proportion. Hmm. But it was a real new development to us. Basically, we went through an entire development phase in order to recreate the same watch, which is, uh, which is not why, which is only, only a sick mind will do that. <laughs> well, but just... we did. 
And uh, I mean, the dial thickness is different. The, the heights of the hands is different. Everything inside is different, mm -hmm. but it looks just the same. It's kind of one of those uh, thankless tasks, right? You you know all the work that went into it, but to the consumer, it's like, oh, it's the same watch. They just put the chronometer on the dial, yeah, right? But yeah, obviously, yeah, for exactly. you, it's much more much much more work in, involved and and yeah. uh, blood, sweat, and tears involved than just that uh, to make those it changes. Is, it is, and and if we succeed, people won't see the difference. That's the best part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we if we fail at doing our job, people will see a different watch. But mm -hmm. if we do it really well, and which we did. Uh, uh, and it was also very important for me not to have a new watch aesthetically you know what I mean mm. in terms of sizes and proportions because I don't want someone who bought a who bought a 5303 two years ago to be like okay I have the old watch no you have a 5303 that's very much what it is it's still a very performant very precise and reliable watch and waterproof watch sure it's not cost certified but nine times out of 10, it runs within cost specifications. It's just not certified. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was very important for me as well. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I wanted to talk about just uh, over the last couple of years that came up, and you sort of alluded to it already, was that some people weren't happy about the crown action on the uh, 5303. Mm, yeah. Can you, uh, you know, and, my understanding of it was again you sort of you sort of spoke to it already was that yeah that wasn't so much that there was an issue it's just that that's kind of just the way the newton movement was can you talk a little exactly, bit about exactly. i guess yeah. like some of what happened with that whole situation it's and then... a, it's, it's a, yeah sure 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 but we, we you know it's um for any brand i think and when you are remotely successful then you get exposed and you have uh, kind people and you have not so kind people, which is, which is a world we live in. And that's fine by me because I, I live in the same world. <laughs> you know? um, uh, but yeah, as you, as, 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 you, oops, sorry. As, uh, as, as you said, it's uh, it's very much a matter of perception. I think, you know, I, I've been holding, I don't know, thousand countless watches i've been experimenting with countless calibers in my life so this little thing was for me and still is not so important thing because it's a, it's an automatic mechanical watch you set it once you wear it you don't have to touch it for a long time mm -hmm. and and it still works it does not prevent you from using your watch at all it's uh but when you i don't know some when you're used to only one type of caliber and it doesn't behave the same way then for some people, it might feel like a big disappointment. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I hear that. And I, I'm not the one to tell them, uh, no, it's not a biggie. Uh, you, you don't know nothing about watches, blah, blah, blah. I'm not that guy at all. I'm just saying that this choice that was mine and, that's, that I was, I, and I, I'm sticking with it, obviously, uh, is something I was eager to accept big time because it appears to me to be such a small thing in comparison with all the beauty and the joy that the 5303 could offer hmm. uh, and performance, uh, I say it. Uh, what we did with the Newton Caliber, uh, playing golf, uh, down the hill mountain biking, every single thing that you should never ever do with a mechanical watch, we did. And it took it. It came back to the office on a, on a time grapher and it was spot on. Uh, so that convinced me and I was okay. Uh, I did not know at the time any other movement that did offer similar performances. 
neither was ETA, neither was Celita, neither was any other movement that I have been experimenting, I've been experimenting with. Uh, the architecture was different. I love the architecture of the Newton yeah. uh, with the cross through Balance Bridge is something that you don't see every so often. So mm-hmm. the finishing was great. Uh, the Côte de Genève, everything, everything. And in terms of performance, again, that's something that I, that I like very much. But um, not on, that, that was something that, you know, we took the time to explain and discuss with every single person that had that issue or felt that issue. Uh, we offered solution. Um, so, and that's the most important, I think, because if there is a solution, then there is not really a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had other, I mean, yeah, we had, uh, we had other things as like people coming up with like fake Serica watches, uh, made in China and Italy, all those counterfeited things, just like, uh, calling it the Serica something, uh, without dropping the eye and stealing the entire work of design that we made. And uh, of course, I'm not happy with it, but uh, there is not so much that we can do about it. You know, if Rolex and Omega can't do basically anything about seeing and having knockoff watches sold all over the world, then what can I do with my, with my power? You know? that, that was one of my questions that came up as well, too, that I kind of wanted to address with you. It was like, what was your thoughts on... Yeah, the the homages or the fakes or the whatever the, whatever, yeah. whatever you whatever you want to Oma- call it. homage. <laughs> I try to I try to use that I try to use that uh, term you know with yeah, a grain of salt, I, but I mean it, essentially like they stole your design and so they, yeah they did they did and because they, they said, every, like everything you know the you know uh, how can I say that um, stealing a design and creating something new are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I strive to find my own solutions and create my own thing. So obviously, as you can imagine, whether it's doing my design or somebody else's design, I have very little respect for people doing such things uh, for good reasons, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, homage word is something that, that makes me laugh because uh, how is it an homage when you steal the entire thing and just put a different name on it? Yeah. It's not an homage. Yeah. Um, so the very first day when I got up in the morning and and someone sent me a link of those knockoff Sericas, I and my blood boiled and I, I was not happy at all. I and then I called my lawyers, we discussed, and basically what came out is that we cannot do anything about it because those guys are in China or hiding in Australia or like basically in markets and in some places where they don't give a single uh, second to thinking twice about whether it's good or not. They just want to make quick money with people who are eager to buy a lesser quality watch for a fraction of the price. Um, And then I actually started to think about it and to see the bigger picture. Of course, uh, my hard work is not open source because I design Serica watches. I, it's not something that I'm building a brand, I'm building a, a design language, and that's something that I'm very serious about. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lose my resources and waste my time and energy with all that negativity fighting something that cannot be fought. Uh, it always existed, always will exist. And uh, to quote a famous French person, which was Gabriel Chanel, 
you know, she, she dealt with that long before us and long before many, many others, obviously. And it's a quote that a friend of mine who also has a watch brand sent me on the day that, <laughs> that he discovered that as well. And he just sent like, congrats. It took me five years to be, <laughs> to see like fake, fake watches of mine. It took you only two. Uh, as Gabriel Chanel would say, uh, you know, copy is basically is basically a tribute paid by mediocrity to greatness or to mm -hmm. talent. I don't know exactly how she put it. Uh, not that I want to see myself as an extremely talented guy, but at least I'm working hard to create my own thing. And I'm not stealing from anybody else. That's what I was going to say, was at least you created something that people felt was worth stealing and copying, right? I exactly. Think that, I think so, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to say that you, you actually put a piece out there that people were bothering uh, to fake, right? <laughs> As I have no other way to, I can't see it any other way. No, I don't have a choice. Otherwise, I'll be a very sad and negative man every day when I come to the office, mm -hmm. which I'm not. So moving forward in terms of, um, innovation and performance and certifications that's also a way to protect us from that you know uh, the Alibaba guys can uh, I don't think they will go to uh, to manufacture like okay try try coming up with this crystal blue color we made two years we, we took two years in uh, in developing try making a single block of two-tone ceramic that's black and white good luck mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try having a movement chronometer certified. Try going for anti-magnetic resistance. Uh, try going for what we do, which is we, we introduce another certification, which is internal, uh, that we called grand chronometer, very simply. Uh, as you might know, uh, when a movement is cost certified, the certification applies to the movement itself, not to the watch. Uh, once the movement is certified, um, many things can happen. Basically, the movement will travel, so it will maybe be on the truck on a bumpy road, and it can modify this performance. Um, you will add a dial, you will add hands, uh, you will encase the movement inside the watch. So all those are manipulations, uh, and during which the performance of the movement can be altered, right? So what we do with Grand Chronometer is actually retesting all the watches once they're fully assembled and make sure that it still ticks within the cost certifications. Interesting. And, and so it, is that an, that's an in-house certification then, or is that yeah, something? Exactly. Okay. Not in-house in certification. Wow. In-house, yes. That's very cool. That's interesting. So I think that should, uh, that should give us a few years ahead uh, for those followers. I but, think so. Uh, <laughs> we keep on working. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, that, that's very, very neat. That's an interesting uh, perspective. It's pretty cool to kind of have your own uh, certification and designation that you've come up with as well, too, that you can put on your watch dials. I think that's something that's really special. What, um, I guess, let's talk a little bit about kind of what's coming next then. I know you've kind of alluded to a couple of things a little bit here and there, yeah. but, you know, what are some so of the uh, cool considering things? Considering that this episode will be released past the official announcement, I can talk about it. Sure. So obviously, I I talked you through the evolution that happened at Serican since we last talked, and as you can see right now, every single watch but the field watch uh, is automatic, chronometer certified, and even amagnetic for some mm. for the for the dive watch. Uh, so the next step, obviously, will be to update the forty five twelve uh, and bring it up to that level of uh, performance. 
So yes, we've been reworking on the 4512 in order to house an automatic caliber, in order to house a chronometer certified automatic caliber and give him, give it a such a lift uh, that I'm sure many will enjoy. That's very interesting. Can you give us any more details so, about what that? Uh, steel three dials, um, slightly different. We'll see California will stay. Uh, I mean, as for now, we have the Commando and the WM Brown dial, mm -hmm. which were very similar dials, actually. Uh, only the Minitrack would, uh, would change and the Luminous Indexes, which made for two very different personalities, of course, but still very similar the dial layouts. Mm -hmm. uh, now we're going to have three dials that are more distinctive uh, between them. Uh, we'll stick with something very MOD uh, with Arabic Arabic numbers. Uh, of course, California dial obviously will remain because it's something that I love so much and that became uh, a little bit of a signature of our own. And uh, we'll introduce a third dial that differs uh, more from the current uh, variations, uh, which could be seen as a bit of a of our 369 explorer type dial, but in a very, very Serica way, don't you worry. <laughs> that's, that's really, really cool. That's awesome. So the watch will be, sorry, sorry. The watch will be slightly thinner. Uh, the watch will be, the case will be of a very sli of a slightly different construction as well. Uh, but it's still very much uh, be and look like and feel like the original watch. Uh, You'll discover that on, on the on the tent. Maybe a little earlier for you, but <laughs> officially hey, on the tent. That's yeah. really cool. That sounds like a lot to look forward to. So, can you talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, what the long term vision is for Serica going forward? So much has changed, right? I mean, you have these models, you have this uh, in house certification, you have this focus and new and renewed attention to improving the catalog that's already existing. You have sure. the boutique, the boutique that's opened up as well too, which I actually think yeah. would be really interesting to talk about your boutique, but then also the the longer term vision about what we can expect from Serica going forward. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think what we went through very much sets the way to and make quite clear. I hope uh, what we have in mind on the long term. Serica's vision has always been a very long term one, and as I said when we started to to discuss this morning. Uh, it's something that takes time, you know, mm -hmm. uh, producing such a lineup of high-end watches uh, that embodies not only these materials and finishing, but also the kind of performance in certification that are and should be always associated with uh, mechanical instruments. Um, it takes time. And it took us almost five years to reach that stage where we can offer a field, a dive, and a GMT watch uh, that are equally as performant one to the other, one next to the other. Uh, that's already something that uh, speaks for itself, I guess, and something that I personally am very proud of. Uh, now, in the long term, uh, we're going to keep off working for sure, and uh, we will try and we will work hard in order to offer always the same vision and versatility on different kinds of different typologies of watches. Of course, the field, field diver and GMT watch is kind of like the holy grail of 
of sports watches. Um, uh, but that's not all. You know, I I have many other many other ambitions and types of watches that I would like to give my take on. Should it be, many people are talking about the chronograph and I'd love to come up with a Serica chronograph. I have ideas, I have drafts, I have, mm. I know where I'm going already. Uh, what I do not have is a movement that allows me to build it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's tricky because when you come, when you, when you have a brand, when you're looking for a chronograph movement, uh, and what we call an integrated chronograph movement is something that movement manufacturers have not been working on for a long time because it's extremely pricey and they do not have the clients to buy such expensive movements. Uh, so what we have now are modular calibers, meaning it's, a, let's say, a regular, a regular mechanical automatic movement with a module on top of it, with a, with a chronograph module on top of it, mm -hmm. uh, which works fine, but which makes very, very thick movements. Mm -hmm. And if I, not if I, because I will make it, even if it takes time, but the day uh, we introduce the Serica chronograph, it will not be a little hamburger on the wrist. It will be sophisticated, thin, and elegant. And for that, I'm still waiting for the movement that allows me to. Um, it does exist, but it's still too expensive for for our price range. You know, if I if I had to pay nearly three grand just for the caliber, then <laughs> then what price do I need to offer my chronograph? You know, right? I I still think a chronograph it's uh, it's a true watch uh, because that's what Serica stands for now. Uh, if I tell you. Oh, that's a Serica chronograph. It's a great tool watch for your holidays. It's 15 grand. What do you say? Yeah, sure. Mm. Uh, it's not something that you will dive with. It's not something that you will travel with because the value of it is too important and it will not bring you the peace of mind that you're seeking during a holiday. But I personally see during holiday. So I'm still taking my time. Uh, other direction that I love to work on uh, includes a ladies' watch includes a dress watch um, which is to me fascinating it's uh it's something that i obviously that i know less because i've been fed and born and raised with the love for true watches and sports watches and but what appeals to me is it's a very i mean the specifications to work around are very very different you know um, when we talk field watch and instruments, obviously reliability, performance, uh, water resistance, robustness are the things that comes to mind and that we work around in order to give life to a watch. Uh, dress watches, on the other hand, uh, it's not something that you're going to use for heavy duty, even if I still would like uh, to have it waterproof, of course. But uh, specifications are more around maybe elegance, personality, uh, thinness. Uh, you can work not only around the circle, but you can create a watch case that comes with his own specific shape. And that as a designer is very, very interesting to work around. Hmm. So I might have started. <laughs> That's cool. It's a lot of really interesting things to look forward to. It sounds like there's definitely a, a long-term plan. It sounds like there's some really interesting things being worked on and uh, that'll continue to sort of contribute to the evolution of the brand over time. Um, and obviously you've 
accomplished so much in the last couple of years and you still have so many immediate things to look forward to as well too. Um, I really think that Serica continues to be an impressive brand that's continuing to try to blaze its own trail in the uh, in the independent watchmaking space. And uh, I, I love to see your passion and I love to see the creativity that you pour into the brand and we get to see that it comes out of the brand and the successes that it's having along the way. Honestly, it's been um, great to hear about it and kind of catch up with you for the last little bit here. So I, I'm really, really pleased to uh, to hear that things are going so well. Yeah, thanks, man. It's a, it's a pleasure as always as I, to, be, uh, to be on the show with you. Thanks for your kind words and thanks for your ability to listen. Which is uh, which is very very much appreciated. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and I'm I'm glad to do it. Honestly, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Uh, what or if, if anyone wants to uh, purchase a watch, engage with any of your content, or talk with you, what are some of the best places they can do that? A phone number, an email address. <laughs> they can do it online. We uh, the the best uh, the best thing is just to to send an email to to the link on the website. That's easy. Uh, if there is any emergency and many people experience with that, we have a phone number on the website. You give us a call and if, it's, uh, if it aligns with my time zone, then I will happily pick it up and find solutions and answer your question. And that's, that's what I love about, uh, you know, we, we've been growing a lot. You know, we, we went from four years ago manufacturing 500 pieces to over 5,000 a year right now. Uh, which is which is pretty big, but the fact that we're still very much reachable, that we take time to listen, that we're easy to talk to when you know when people come to the shop. I'm still at the shop not every day, but uh, but I, I happen to be there quite often. And when people have specific questions, they want to hear about the thing, and they're always astonished. And wow, I use the guy who founded the company. You're the guy who designed the watches. I was like, sure, and. I mean that's great for for both of for all of us for both of us you know it's uh I mean it's obviously great for the enthusiasts who will have proper answers to their questions uh, and meaningful ones but uh, it's also great for me because seeing the very people that purchase our watches and seeing the kind of smile it usually puts on their faces it's uh, it closes a circle in a very beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what is the website then if people want to get that information or contact uh, you? Serica-watches.com. Perfect. I'll make sure I drop that in the description box below as well as a link to the Serica Instagram page as well. Uh, for myself, if anyone has any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to shoot me an email at Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow along with the show, sort of that central hub of information and communication, you can head over to Instagram and uh, just give me a follow there at, uh, at Rico's Watches Podcast, all one word. Uh, just make sure you uh, follow along there. Shoot me a DM. I'm usually pretty quick to respond. Um, additionally, if you enjoy uh, some of my episodes in the audio medium I'd like to enjoy some of them in the video medium this one will be audio only but I have many many others that are uh, in have video available you can head over to Rico's Watches Podcast on YouTube just be sure to like subscribe hit the bell icon all that YouTube stuff uh, it helps grow the page it helps grow the audience and uh, you know help, helps the podcast reach a larger uh, a larger group of people and a larger sphere of influence so I greatly appreciate it Jerome, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. You're welcome back on the show anytime. And I look forward to following along with the success of Serica. Likewise, man. Thanks again for having me. Take care. Cheers.